It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. And hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. We're now joined by our friend Steve Lansky from Big Mouth Sports, who probably heard both the Beatles and Elton John version of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds back in the day. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. we got lots to get to. I want to start here because you surprised me earlier today. Uh, well, you did because I said, I said, look, do you want to talk about John Short? I wasn't sure, you know, I, I suspected you worked during the same time or a little bit the same era, but then you told me an amazing story. So please pass it along. So it's August 1979 and we're visiting Sather's in Banff and Glenn Sather needs a new stats guy for the Oilers. And I'm 17. I'm 17 years old. And he says, listen, we're going into the NHL. We need a new stats guy. Do you want to do it? And so I thought about it and said, uh, yes. So he said, okay, I'm going to connect you with John Short, who's our PR guy. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what a PR guy is at that point. <laughs> so, but I'm about to start university. Wait for it. In pre-med, I know that surprised literally everyone listening to me right now. Yes. But I did. I, I started it. Yeah, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for chiming in, buddy. So uh, I start pre-med at U of A, September 1979, and the Oilers are going to have their first NHL training camp at U of A Arena. So Glenn says, come over to the, I don't know, 1 o'clock practice, and I'll introduce you to John. So I go over, I'm sitting in the stands, and I see Glenn on the other side talking to this guy, and they start to walk over. And he's this big, tall guy, and he's 42 at the time, which I had to look up, but so I'm 17, he's 42, and he introduces himself, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And he goes, do you think you can do stats for this team? And I said, I think I can. I think I can, sir. I, I'll do my very best. He said, all right. The great thing about John Short was he never got in my way or asked me a question <laughs> the whole year. I think he was savvy enough to know that if I had any questions, I'd ask him, and he stayed right out of my way. So at the end of the year, I produced, I think it was 32 pages of the Oilers media guide for the next year. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he was expecting, but it obviously wasn't 32 pages. And he said to me, now I was supposed to be doing this, Al, for nothing, right. which I was, I was fine with. Right. And he says, you know what, Steve, you did so much work. He said, here's a check for $250. He said, I know it's not a lot, which actually it was a fair bit for me at that time. It was about 10, 10 games of working at the Coliseum, so that was a lot. Yes. And he said, it, it's not a lot, but it's just a stipend we're going to give you because of the job you did this year. And then after that year, he left, and Bill Tuelli took over, and my opinion of Bill Tuelli is, let's see, 179.7 degrees different of what my opinion of John Short is, <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. But I, I will never forget John for that, and I will never forget what a kind person he was to me because – Let's face it, I was a snot-nosed kid showing up because Glenn said, hey, this kid can do the job. Turned out I could, but John was just a joy to work with. I loved working with John Short. Well, and he was very um, he was very uh, supportive of young people, I thought. I always felt like he was, uh, you know, he would champion anything I did. He was very supportive of everything through my whole, uh, you know, career. And 
I think John was one of those guys who, who, and remember when you and I met him, it was the 80s and a lot of older gents were kind of crusty and maybe not as supportive. That was my experience. John was always supportive. And you know, it's funny, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, now why would that be? And I think it's because he remembered when he was that age. Right. And I think if you remember when you're that age, you have a lot more patience and tolerance and understanding with some 17-year-old snot-nosed kid who's trying to get into the business and, and trying to do something that that he finds fun. And, and I don't think everybody has that memory, but John did. Yeah. And I think it showed in everything he did. I just... It made me so sad when I read that yesterday. It just, the memories, you know, they did the memories flood. I'm talking like a torrent of yep. memories that hit me. And I had to, like, you know, take a deep breath. And my wife said, what's wrong? And I said, oh, John Short passed away. And then I had to take several deep breaths. Yeah, it, it, I think it hit everybody. And then Robin Brownlee later in the day. And it was, it, it, you know, it's it's funny because John, I, I probably had lunch with John three years ago. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it was. Uh, but he still, John Short telling a story, you better pack a lunch because it's going to take a while, but you're going to laugh your ass off. And so is he. That's the way it was because he loved to tell stories, but he, he also loved to laugh while he was telling them. He was fully invested in everything he did, wasn't he? If he told you a story, you could tell he was just, he was selling it the whole way along. And when he had a question for you, it was like a serious question or can we do this? Or do you think you can do that? Or how do we go about doing this? And the other thing I remember, I, I, he, I could talk to him about baseball every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And he loved talking about baseball. So yeah. I, I think he loved all sports. He was, he was basically just one of those handful of guys in Edmonton. They don't have them in Toronto. I lived in Toronto for Edmonton. They didn't really have those forever. But in Edmonton, they have this handful of guys who were Edmonton sports. Yes. And John was one of those guys to me. Yeah, I agree totally on that. Now, to today's, because John would want us to talk about last night's game and the nine he game. Would. Yeah, he yeah. would, yes. <laughs> He'd say, what are you doing? Get on with it. Uh, <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> yes, he would. Uh, so nine games, historic chance here. And against Montreal, when I say Oilers in Montreal, I go right back to Moog. Uh, this could be an historic night for the Oilers tomorrow night. Montreal's not the team that they were back in the day. What are your thoughts? And maybe, you know, I know you were in Montreal, uh, you know, at times for games. Montreal hosting Edmonton. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, same as you. I go right back to 81. And that I was at game three, which is the game they eliminated the Canadians in that series when Dave Hunter shut down. I think it was Dave Hunter, right? Shut down Guy Lafleur. Um, yep. That was, it, it was just stunning. But it was stunning in a strange way that never gets related because what it wasn't a hundred percent stunning because when you thought, well, this is what happens in sports. Somebody ages out and just at the time they age out, just like what happened to the Islanders in 84, they kind of aged out at the, well, those Canadians aged out right when the Oilers aged in. I'm sure that's not a term, but I'm going to use it. And when that confluence came together, you watched the game and you thought, well, it kind of makes sense because if they're going to they're going to verge, this is when they're going to do it. And they did. So it was shocking, but not shocking at the very same time. That's 
that's the memory I get. Yeah, I, I agree. In 84, it was, I, I remember so well. For me, the keys were the first game. Fury shuts out the Islanders, and that was like an indication that they were going to be able to win any way the Islanders would play. Secondly, a lot of injuries on the Islanders during that year. Bossy was, his back was hurting them. There was a lot of issues as far as the veteran Islanders not being at 100%. And the third thing, I always, I remember this because it was so weird. They played three games in Edmonton, games one and two in New York, and then three, four, five in Edmonton. They were going to go back, but the Oilers won it. And that, for me, that was a key because if you go back, you never know, Steve. You don't know, and I think I've related this before, but I'm going to do it again. So after that series ended, um, Glenn Sather was living in Riverbend, and I went over. I don't think I was interviewing him. I think we are just having a coffee and talking. And I said to him, I said, when did you know you were going to win the series? And he said, at the Stanley Cup luncheon. And I said, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean at the Stanley Cup luncheon? So I think it was after game three. I'd have to look it up. So Oilers win, Oilers lose, Clark Gillies gets a hat trick. Oilers win, Stanley Cup luncheon. I said, how could you know at the Stanley Cup luncheon you were going to win? And this is quintessential Glenn right here. He said, I could see it in Al Arbor's face. Wow. And I thought, yeah. And I'll never forget that answer. And I thought, you know what? I bet you that's true. And once you see that and you go back and communicate it to the guys, I can see it in their face, guys. They know they're going to lose. That's it. That was the end of it. I thought that was the, it was the strangest answer I ever got, and also the answer that made the most sense I ever got. Well, and he say there was like that though. You know, he the 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 great thing about him uh, when he was certainly when he was here was that he would give you even if it was a like a a, 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 a belligerent answer, he would give you the answer, and chances are, if you thought about it, it was the right one. Oh, if you didn't want the truth, you shouldn't ask Glenn Sather the question. A hundred percent. And the problem with with a lot of media members is, oh, they don't want the truth. Like, that's a stupid question. Well, I'm sorry to say, but it is a stupid question. And if you don't like that, I've been I don't know if you've ever been told you just asked a stupid. Oh, question. yes. Oh, yes. I, I have. And I remember exactly who did it. It was Stephen Valaket. He was playing goal for the Toronto Roadrunners. And I thought, oh, I actually said to him, OK, fair enough. And then we just carried on. But if you get offended by being told you asked it, because it, it actually was a stupid question that I asked. If you get offended about being told that, you're not going to like the person who said it. But Glenn's going to do that 100 out of 100 times. Yeah. And most guys just don't like that. Steve Lansky, our guest, Big Mouth Sports. So um, I'm asking this question of all the guests today, and it goes okay. like this. If the Edmonton Oilers win the Stanley Cup this spring, you personally or the the generation your age, who obviously have seen five of them, what would what do you think the old guard will do the night of the Stanley Cup victory if Edmonton wins? Because I'll remind you what the generation we were did uh, in 84, 85, 87, 88, and 90, which is just wander around Jasper Avenue mostly. The old guard being people my age? Yes. Well, I would say several of us will have some sort of cardiac event and have to go to the hospital. <laughs> um, others others will be excited, but too old to do anything about it. Yes. Several may break hips, jumping up and down, and the rest of us will be very thrilled that we've seen it happen again because you got so spoiled in the 80s like it's this 
it just seemed like it happened every year. And when it yeah. didn't happen, they were close, or there was some crazy Steve Smith reason why it didn't happen. And then now it just seems like freaking eternity. And it would just be like, I, I don't even know how to respond anymore. Although I would be very happy that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl got whatever size monkey it is on their back off. Yeah. That would cross my mind first. I, I remember in 91, uh, the Oilers lost, I think to Minnesota, as I recall, but I might be wrong. And uh, my father-in-law called me from Medicine Hat. He said, you know, son, sorry that your team didn't win. And I said, ah, oh, it's okay. I appreciate that. And he said, you know, I'm glad. And I said, why are you glad? And he said, because you've been such an arrogant jerk for the last decade about that team. <laughs> and he was saying, how would you? How would you not be? It's true, how would right? You not be an arrogant jerk. Yes. yes. By the way, by the way, thanks for the frickin' ninety-one Minnesota reminder. I think if I'm not wrong, the Oilers might have won the first game, yeah. and then they lost four in a row. And I'm still reeling. Like, how did they possibly lose that series? But anyway, um, <laughs> how would you not have been arrogant? It's, it's like true. Yankees fans. How are Yankees fans not arrogant? They are arrogant. Montreal Canadiens fans in the 50s. How would they not have been arrogant? Of course they were arrogant. But the problem is, after that arrogance, there's this time period where you don't necessarily win. And that that's hard to gut through when you know what it can be and how great it was. And it's hard not to live in those days and hard not to remember them, because I don't know about you, but those days for me are so vivid it's kind of scary how much stuff I remember. It, it it's true. scares me every once in a while. Yeah, it's true. I remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. I, I also remember when I knew it was over because Terry Jones wrote an article. It was about Francois LaRue. Uh, and, you know, he was going to make the team and what they expected of him. And in the article, Jones, who, you know, he, he was very succinct. He said, This is the message. The, the fact that this is happening, the message to Oilers fans is it's over. And, and, as he he wrote it, and as I read it, I, I thought, you know what? He's right. It's this is they don't have they don't have Gretzky, they don't have coffee, they don't have Fear, they don't have Anderson, they don't have Messier. This is it's whatever happens now. It's going to be a new group, and the group that got all the glory is in other cities. But at the time. I think there's a resistance to admit that it's over. Yes. Because you think, well, there's got to be a way to, you know, that could be wrong. I mean, people don't know that they're going to win a Stanley Cup. They say, oh, they're guaranteed to win. They don't know that. Well, they don't know it's over. They don't know. But at the time, I I guess that was right. You just don't know how long it's over for. And, you know, we both know it's been too long. Yeah. it. it I think Oiler fans of... The other general, you and I have been rewarded like for a lifetime, right? But, oh yeah, oh yeah, sure. But the the you know I got a buddy Dean who was a, a Jets fan, and then when they left, he became an Oilers fan, and so he's having a hard time because both teams are playing well. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I for that younger generation, I'd like to see them win a Stanley just because they haven't done it before, and, and they would see what it feels like, and they would they might be able to go, oh, I see why you guys talk about these players all the time. Yeah, because at that age, like when the Oilers won their first Stanley Cup, I think I was 22. At that age, you just remember everything. You're still forming. It's still, it's still crystallized in your head. And, and that's, that's what you hang on to for the rest of your life. It's the rare fan that gets to see teams win and win and then a two-year gap and then win again and then a little gap and then win again. It, it hardly ever happens. So you, 
you got to take what you get when you can get it yes. and just relish it as long as you can. It's so true. And, and, and I think that that's what brings fans together. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan. Well, if I meet another Eagles fan, it's a thrill because we're so far away from the city. But in Edmonton, one of the things that I think during that, that era that sort of brought Oilers fans together was the fact that the Flames fans were also furiously devoted to their team. So it, the rivalry was there. And I always think when Edmonton is its best as a sports city, the Calgary team is trying to beat the living daylights out of them. Another layer, right? Not just yeah. a championship layer. Now it's a championship layer in, with a rivalry layer. Yeah. And that is like... It would be like the Yankees and the Red Sox going head-to-head every year to see who got to the World Series if you were doing it that way. Or the Lakers and the Celtics in the NBA Finals. Like, not only did your team win, we beat the team that I hated. Or we beat the team that I liked the least. That, that is really hard to beat. I mean, that's the glory of sports to me. Sometimes if I think about that too hard, I find it almost overwhelming how great sports is in today's world. For me, anyway. Yeah, I, I've got uh, Rob texted in. I don't know if it's for you, but I'm going to read it before I let you go. Uh, sear your steak in butter using a cast iron pan, then finish the steak in the oven. Great alternative in cold days. Do you have a Do you have a steak solution for a cold day? Oh yes, absolutely. Put on heavier coat. Go out to barbecue. <laughs> they see the put on heavier coat. That was the steak solution. Yes, there is no month I do not barbecue, my friends. Wow, there is. No month. The only key is in the middle of winter, you got to cook it a little longer because even though the coals are hot, it it, it dissipates before it gets to the yeah. steak. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. all you got to know. Well, I barbecued on Tuesday, but I'm not going to do it until it warms up a little because it's damn cold out there, Steve. Uh, I don't want to hear that. I Listen, I'm driving down Banff Avenue right now. It's minus 33. It's nothing. There's a guy in shorts right there. I'm looking right at him. Yeah, and this he's is the, nothing. Is it the mayor? All right. Thanks, Lansky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, Al. All right. There you go. Steve Lansky, uh, Big Mouth Sports. Good stuff. I enjoyed that very much. He he said probably go to bed for a lot of them, but then there would be a you know he had a few other elements that could occur for the older generation. If the orders, I'll probably because uh, I'm an emotional person, I'll probably cry. I know I'll reminisce. I might bring out those five CDs I have of games and watch the '84 game, Lumley piercing the heart of the net uh, after Patty Lafontaine put a, the fear of God in all Oilers fans with two goals uh, to make it interesting in the third period of that game. Okay, on the way, we're going to skip up a few generations and talk to Tato Yaremchuk from Daily Faceoff about what his generation would do should the Oilers win the Stanley Cup in the spring. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. 122, you are listening to The Lowdown, powered by Wolf GMC Buick. Friday edition, weekend just around the corner. And this is sort of like the... This is the last intense segment we have. It's the cool-down period at 140. But right now, we're talking sports with our friend Tyler Uremchuk from Daily Faceoff. How are you, sir? I'm good, Lotet. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, lots to talk about. Let's start here. Uh, we heard yesterday, I, know, I don't know when you found out, but uh, Robin Brownlee, who obviously well-known to you, me, and everybody in the uh, sports community in Edmonton, passed away yesterday along with John Short. But I know uh, because you worked, obviously, with Daily Faceoff and Oilers Nation, that you would uh, would have known uh, Robin quite well. Um, so any thoughts? I know that you, you probably entered the media industry with him as an established guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have, I have lots of thoughts on Robin. I always had a lot of time for him. 
He was a you know semi regular on my show, someone I've known for a handful of years. Tired. I mean, he listened to to your show all the time when I was the producer, so I always had interactions with him and. I mean, for me, one, I had a ton of respect for who he was professionally and the work that he did, one of the best to do it in the city, and also for what he meant to the company that's now given me employment. Like, Oilers Nation is not what Oilers Nation is. If a guy like Robin Brownlee, who was an incredibly legitimate and mainstream voice, doesn't make the jump to the site back in its early days. Like he was one of the first writers on the site and he was one of the first people who believed in the vision that, that Jay and Wanye had here. So, I mean, so much respect for who he was as a person, as a writer. And I mean, it's incredibly sad right now, but I mean, this is also a chance to look back on just how much he meant to the Edmonton sports media landscape. And he meant a lot. It's true. And I think that, that when, when we look at, uh, what was lost here in the last couple of days, you know, John being very similar, but Robin sort of from a, a, a different angle and a newer generation. Um, I don't think, I, I don't think with John or Robin, this community, which is a very vibrant and vital and interesting group of voices, either by, you know, online or, or on air. Um, Edmonton is a sports city, but Edmonton is a big sports media city. And those two gentlemen, passing the same day is kind of a reminder that both of them were kind of builders and the foundation pieces. Oh, man. I mean, John Short, like, I always go to, for people who listen right now, John Short is your favorite sportscaster's favorite sportscaster, right? Like, what he meant to everyone, and I had a chance to chat with Speck today a little bit about it, and obviously we know how much he meant to Jason Greger as well. Like, you find basically anything in this city that is sports media, John Short's fingerprints are somewhere on it. He had an impact on it in some way. So, again, like a massive, massive loss. Uh, Tyler Uremchuk, our guest from Daily Face Off and Oilers Nation, wanted to ask, I'm asking everybody this who we talked to today, and I'm, I'm doing it generationally because I do think there's a generation gap. If the Oilers win the Stanley Cup in the spring or early summer, uh, what will your age group do to celebrate? Where will you go in the city and what will you do? Where will I go in the city? I mean... I'm maybe not a great person to ask about this one, but I just, after seeing kind of what the city was like in that playoff run to the Western Conference Finals, and then even being around last year, throwing our parties at Greta with Oilers Nation and all of that stuff, like, I would love to see the way this city explodes in a potential Stanley Cup final. Never mind a potential Stanley Cup final against, say, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example. Like, this city would be on an entirely different level low tide so where would i specifically go to party and celebrate i have no idea all i do know is that i am itching and clamoring to see what this city would react like to a trip to the stanley cup final i'll be on the radio reminding everybody that the the tv cameras will be rolling and the police will be monitoring bad behavior even months later so you've got to be really careful out there to not do something that you're going to be charged with i won't have to do that with you though right uh, no, I think you know that. Okay, there you go. Uh, so let's talk about the Oilers because they're such an exciting team right now. They've won nine in a row. Uh, I feel like we have to burn the tapes from earlier this year because this team has just turned it around so magically. But they've been to nine before. They're playing Montreal Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. Is this the time they do it? Do you think they're going to win 10 tomorrow? I just see no reason to think that they can't. Like, this Montreal team's not playing amazing hockey this year by any stretch. They're not exactly a quality roster either. 
Edmonton's going to have their number one guy going. I think with that number of 10 in mind, we're going to get a great effort from this Oilers team, similar to what we got last night. I, I think they can do it. And the fascinating part for me with this group is last year we saw them play their best hockey leading into the playoffs, right? Their best stretch came after they acquired Matias Ekholm and upgraded the roster. I think right now, comparing the Oilers roster as it sits at this moment to last year at this moment, the Oilers right now are better. So how can they upgrade this roster? How can they make it better than the one that we're seeing right now and the one we saw last year in the playoffs? Because they should be able to do something here to improve. And, and that's what really has me excited and thinking that this team's capable of doing more and going further than they did last year. Well, and, and you know, credit to Ken Holland. We, whenever he's healthy, Matthias Ekholm makes such a big difference in that top pairing, uh, Ekholm and Bouchard playing with, with McDavid line. It's a five-man in unit of glory. They're just out of sight. If you, if you, and I, like, I've looked at it six ways to Sunday, and I, you know, you'd like to get a goalie, but now Ottawa needs one. I just think the price tag's going to be so high. Uh, Darren Dreger mentioned Sean Monahan. His underlying numbers aren't fabulous. And you're good at this. You always pinpoint who it is that they should go after. Do you have anybody in mind or a couple of players in mind as, as maybe options? Should their team fall out of it and Edmonton have a chance to acquire them? Ah, see, you're right. Usually I'm throwing my name behind someone, whether it's uh, Ricard Raquel. Last year I was all in on Matthias Ekholm. This year I'm having a bit of a problem with it, Tide, and I'm working on a piece right now that's going to go out at Oilers Nation tomorrow that touches on this, but there's so many what-ifs with this roster right now. Like, What if Stuart Skinner and Calvin Picard or Pickard keep playing well leading up to the deadline, keep up these numbers? All of a sudden you don't really need to go get a goalie. What if Cody Ceci and Darnell Nurse keep showing they can handle the minutes you're giving them. And Cody Cece's looking like the Cody Cece from his first year with the Oilers and Darnell Nurse keeps having this insane resurgence. Well, if your top four keeps playing the way it is, maybe you don't need to upgrade Cody Cece and get a top four D-man. If Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogle keep scoring, which I think is you know unlikely, but if they keep rolling, maybe you don't need a top six winger. Maybe you need to get a third-line center. Like Right now, it's hard to pinpoint what the Oilers need because everything is going so well. It's hard to look at this roster and identify outside of some bottom six help really what the big impactful move should be. So I'm torn on who my big target of the year is. I would love someone like a Boone Jenner if he shakes loose because I think he's an Ekholm-esque addition to the forward group in the sense he's impactful, can fill multiple roles, and the comparison to Ekholm being he's going to be around for a couple of years. His contract has some length to it, and that would be a very Ken Hollandy kind of move. So I like Monaghan. My dream target's a Jenner, but I doubt he shakes free. I like a guy like Nick Sealer if you're looking to upgrade yeah. that seventh defenseman spot. Sean Walker maybe as well in Philly. But outside of that, I, I just don't see like a slam dunk top six option per se that's available right now. And part of that's because there's not a lot of sellers. How long will this team uh, put Connor Brown into a roster spot, say top nine, like he was last night on the third line. I mean, I I like his. He had a couple of chances, uh, and and his expected goal share has improved. So there's improvement. But at some point in time, uh, do you have to kind of get off that train and move on to another one? Hmm, that's a really good question. I I'm still okay with it for right now, and people are probably rolling their eyes at that, being like, "Oh my God, Connor Brown stinks." How are you standing up for him? But 
I watched that game last night. He does good things out there. I notice him in a positive way a lot. I don't notice him in a negative way all that much, except for the moments where I'm like, God, how did that not go in for him? But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you can keep rolling him out for now and until you get a better option. Like, again, I think Connor Brown's doing more positive stuff in the lineup than Adam Ernie as a whole. So he's probably above him on my on my depth chart still, even if you want to mix in a Holloway at some point or you want to give Sam Gagne a game. So I'm fine with it for now, but it's a different story when it comes to the deadline. If they add a good bottom six winger, if they sign a Corey Perry, then when there's better options, slide them up ahead of Connor Brown and don't think twice about it for now. I'm okay with even still giving him the odd shift with Leon Dreisaitl and trying to get him going. Like, you have nothing to lose. Do you, I've got people on my blog who every day wake up as, you know, they're going to play Sam Gagne today. I get it. I really like him as a player. He's having a great year. Uh, I think he is more valuable than at least one player on the fourth line. But do you break up a team that's winning all the time? I, I'm usually against breaking up a winning lineup. I don't think that is a, uh, that's a great idea, Tide, but... At the same time, when the winning streak's this long, I think you can sit there and go, you know, we're not riding some random heater or this isn't a whole bunch of luck we're getting. Like, no, no, we're just a good team. So I think you can make some adjustments. But here's what I'll say with Sam Gagne, Low Tide. I brought up this point with Gregor. I've said it on 100 shows already. On home ice this season, he has four goals and two assists in 11 games. On the road this season, he has no goals in seven games. Treat him like a lefty specialist in baseball, Lotai. You know, you only bring in Brandon Belt, to use the Jays example from this year, when you're facing a right-handed pitcher. Just play Sam Gagne at home. Don't even bring him on the road. Let him hang out with his wife and kids, chill back in Edmonton. I would just play him every home game the rest of the year. I think he's fueled by the fan base and how much the fans love him. Is that a good answer? No, it's a great answer. And, you know, they did it with Jacques Plante in 75. So it's been done in this city before. Um, Let me give you uh, a chance to talk about the NFL and the Buffalo Bills. How stoked are you for this game? And how much do you think the Bills will win by? I think they're going to win by at least 10, which is the spread. But the only thing making me nervous right now, Bills are bit by a bit of an injury bug. No Gabe Davis. They might not have Razul Douglas either some big losses for them and the weather things get random when the weather gets really really bad so do i have any doubt that the buffalo bills are far and ahead the better team in this matchup yes the steelers don't have tj watt they're not a good football team mason rudolph not a very good quarterback but this weather low tide this game might end 10-7 and that makes me nervous i i just feel like because I and, and nothing I like I'm I'm not trying to c- cause problems and if it doesn't go well don't hate me but I just feel like there's a Bubby Brister out there and he might show up and and that's the only way they can lose. Well, I have no idea what that means or who that is, so it won't affect me in the play. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a great weekend, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you, you too. Talk to you. All right. There you go. Well, the generation gap. Do, do, do you know who Bobby Brister was? Do you have any idea who Bobby Brister was? Bobby Brister? Nah. Bobby. Bobby Brister. Bobby Brister? Yeah. No. I mean, no, I don't. Okay. I, I wish I did. I'm sorry. Right. Well, he was a starter for not long, maybe a couple of years or so in uh, in, in Pittsburgh. And... He did some pretty interesting things, and I, I do you do you feel like it'll be a running game, like a running game uh, for both sides? They'll run the ball more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Bills will have to. Um, 
no, I don't. Not that I. Sorry, I should reiterate that. I don't think they'll have to, but I think they'll find more success doing it on the back of James Cook. I think, like Jalen Warren is is a good back there in Pittsburgh. Najee Harris is not what we thought he was going to be. I think the Bills will have much more success doing it. And I think with the injuries on Pittsburgh's line, I think it's definitely the formula for success. Maybe I should have said Merrill Hodge. That would have been a better. Oh, I know him. All right, there you go. Um, we can agree the Eagles are going to win, but it doesn't matter because they're not going anywhere. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's probably a, a good way to say it. They've, you, they've capped out. Do you mind if we do this? We're going to take a break, but do you mind if we go through each of the playoff games and you give me your, your input on who you think is going to win? Yeah, that'd be great. Happy All right, you. sounds good. All right, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger. Powered by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. And before the break, I mentioned to Declan, I said, we're going to run through all the NFL wildcard weekend games. And he's going to give us the winner. And we don't want you to bet cash dollars. But in your mind, you can go through the weekend knowing Declan has chosen the teams that will win. And when we get back here on Monday, we will all applaud him. We'll go... Encore, encore, rah, rah, tally-ho and all that rot. We'll act English. It'll be great. Are you ready? Good to go. Okay. Browns, Texans. First off, I love the Texans story. I love what they were able to do this season. Early in the NFL NFL season this year, I was on the radio talking about they were going to finish with three wins. C.J. Stroud's a nice story. D'Amico Ryan's looks good. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's look good, excuse me. But you know, it's not going to it's not going to come to anything. They end up as a ten win team. They get into the uh, the playoffs. They're hosting a playoff game. I do think this is where it caps out. As as good a story as Houston has been this year, and as much as I like D'Amico and what he's been able to do for that team, as much as I like C.J. Stroud, I just think the Browns' defense is too good. Joe Flacco has somehow turned back the clock and can actually do things on the offensive side of the ball. I like to br- the Browns to win this one 24-20. So if Nick Chubb were there, how much, how far could they go? I, I, I know I just sang his praises, but I still think you're limited at the quarterback position with Joe Flacco. He's done it before, but he didn't do it when he was this age. And, um, I, I, I could have seen a conference championship final for them. Okay. Now I think second round is their ceiling, but I like them to win this one against the Texans. Dolphins Chiefs, and that is tomorrow night. Yeah, Dolphins-Chiefs, that's the other Saturday game. I mean, listen, the Dolphins going to be without Xavier Howard. Jalen is still questionable. Raheem is still questionable. The Dolphins have one win over a team, uh, one win against a team over a 500 record this year. I think the Chiefs win it at home, but I think it's an ugly game. I think they win like 17-14, 20-14, something like that. So um, will I watch the second half of that game or will it be a blowout? The Chiefs Dolphins? Yeah. No, I think it'll be a weirdly close, boring game, but I, I don't think it'll be ultra in doubt. I'll say that. But I think the Dolphins can keep it close ish within okay. a score. All right. Contain your excitement. Steelers Bills. Yeah, I think uh, you know, obviously we just had Tyler already talked about some of the injuries. The bigger one I'm I'm looking at is Taylor Rapp, who stepped into that starting safety position because he's officially out. Razul Douglas is questionable in the report I was reading is that I think he is gonna play. Uh TJ Watt out is just such a detriment to that Steelers defense. Mason Rudolph is not a quarterback. I'm trusting to go on the road as a seven seed and win a playoff game in poor conditions. I know Pittsburgh plays in poor conditions too sometimes. I like Buffalo to win this one. I think the line is in minus nine and a half. I like them to cover. Why don't you like Mason Rudolph? He's just not very good at uh, at playing quarterback. 
Should Which they, unfortunately for him is his job. So should they? Should they? You run, know what? Should they run Maya Rudolph out there instead? <laughs> no. You know what? Mason Rudolph has actually been okay. He's play, he's played all right the time he's been in the last few weeks here. But I st- I still think the Bills win this one handily. I think they cover. Okay. I I was talking to Gruff in the hallway, and he's not confident about this game. He's a Packers fan. Packers Cowboys. Yeah, I think. You know, Jair Alexander is questionable. That is the big injury question mark for the Green Bay Packers. He is a stud cornerback. If you don't have him to cover in CeeDee Lamb, you're going to be in trouble. I think the Cowboys are a far more put-together team. I think they win this one big. I'm going to say 31-17. Okay, this is the game I'm most interested in watching. Rams-Lions, and that game goes Sunday late afternoon. Yes, outside of the Bills game, this is the game I'm most uh, excited to watch. I think the Rams play this one really, really close. I think they're right there. I think this is a game that kind of comes down to the last possession, last drive, something like that. I like the Lions to win this one 35-32 in a big scoring game. Uh, but I just think, I just think, Dan, if anyone can motivate a team to uh, to win a game against your former quarterback who you had to trade away, who then won, went and won a Super Bowl, it's Dan Campbell of the Lions. I think they're going to win this one. I like them to win it. High-scoring game. B- Barry Sanders runs for 200 euros? Barry Sanders probably has four touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then the Monday Nighter, which it's such a meh game. They yep. should move it. Eagles Buccaneers. I think it's going to be an uninspiring win for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I do think they win. I think they win this one like 27-21, something like that. Maybe even 27-24, but I again, I think this is one of the ones where the score might be a little closer than what the final result actually ends up telling you. I do think the Eagles win, but I think it's uninspiring and I think the Eagles cap out in the second round as well. Well, I what I'm worried about with the Eagles is that they like they could get pummeled. Their 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 defense can't stop cheese. Their defense has their defense has been very poor down the stretch here, but I still think the totality of the roster is on the side of the Philadelphia Eagles. Totality. I think I think the Buccaneers are happy to win the worst division in football in the NFC South and happy to get into the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles have more to play for. They cannot be a team that goes out in the wild card round with the with the season they had last year. Last year, with the expectations they had this year, with the money they gave Jalen Hurts, with all the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, I think they need to win, which I expect them to. But for the fourth time this segment, I think it's going to be uninspired. This is interesting. I, I'm, just, I'm not trying to rally up, but this comes in from Mike. I have no faith in the Bills. Josh Allen goes to the Patriots in a trade. I'm just curious what the trade, what a trade package would look like for Josh Allen because I've talked about this before. When you're the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen may not be Patrick Mahomes. He may not be a Tom Brady. But Josh Allen is far and away the better alternative you've had since the Jim Kelly days. You've been through a quarterback carousel with no sustained success and not even no sustained success, no real success in any way, shape or form, period. Now you have a quarterback who can at least get you to the playoffs consistently, plays exciting football. You're not going to throw that away to go into a rebuilding stage. Because you don't need to rebuild. You have a young franchise, youngish franchise quarterback who's there, who's going to be in Buffalo for a long time, presumably. I don't see what the Bills could do what they could get in return for Josh Allen that would make them say, yep, you know what? We're shipping out this guy who's finally turned our franchise around for the first time in a couple decades. We're finally prominent. We're finally relevant. We're going to ship this guy out to go rebuild. It's not needed. It's not necessary. I don't see it. And you're never, ever trading in division on top of that. Pillman says my Steelers are going to win. I mean, there it is. I, I, I try to argue with him, but Pillman says it's going to happen, so I assume he's right. I, I would be, I would be shocked 
if the Pittsburgh Steelers won. Like, I would be floored if the Pittsburgh Steelers won. The Pittsburgh Steelers have gotten in on the back of coaching. They have George Pickens is a nice little receiver. I don't mind him at all. They don't really have any skill positions. Their running back, Najee Harris, has been. I would. I think we're approaching bus territory with Najee Harris, even though he had a good first rookie season. They don't have a quarterback. Their best player is missing. And they don't really have anything else to rest their laurels on in the defensive secondary. I think this game is going to be a wash. I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be close. And again, I've said this. Congrats to Mike Tomlin for the sustained success he's had. He's done an incredible job taking garbage and turning it into whatever the mineral below a diamond is. But they cap out here. I don't see it. I would be floored if they win this game. So, definitely in doubt. When the orders make the finals, Totter will be outside LT's castle, pouring booze into the moat, yelling for a free lunch from Fife and Deckel. You know, the usual standard belligerent shenanigans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember uh, the last person I worked with who I let into the house was Vicky Belfiore, um, who was the promotions person at the Bear. I, I liked her. She's great. I still do. Um, it's just, you're not, it's, I got the moat, I got the giant, I got the, you know, the, I got it all. Um, and you know, that's just the way it is. Yesterday, me and 200 other people went to your Amtrak's basement and watched the Otis game with them. That's a hell of a basement. Low side Oilers need size up front for the playoff push. Old school hockey, Doug. I think they'll get it, but I think it might be a center. I once barbecued minus 35, heated the propane tank with a battery warmer just to keep it flowing well. Battery warmers. If you don't have a, like I know you plug the car in, but a battery warmer is a good thing to have in this kind of weather. You don't get this kind of weather nowadays, you young people in your punk weather. But we, we used to, and battery warmers are good. I don't know about barbecuing in minus 35, but I've done it. LT, Ona fans had reason to be arrogant. Look at the Leafs fans. They didn't win anything, and they're more arrogant. Gordon, <laughs> Lee Sands, man, it's 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 very cool. But it gives you a target, and that's always good. A geezer, as a geezer who saw Mark Messier's first WHA game in the Coliseum, playing for Cincinnati as a seventeen-year-old in seventy-eight, seventy-nine, when the Oilers win the Stanley Cup, I will celebrate by staying awake long enough to enjoy a cup of hot chocolate and then drift off to sleep from Cliff. Cliff, that's not far from me. I, you know, I might, I don't, I have not had, I probably have had like three beer and maybe shared a bottle of wine a time or two in the last 14 months, but I probably will pour a little Crown Royal and a little ginger ale and have a drink and and salute to the uh, Edmonton Oilers of modern day. And then... Ziggy and I will make the long trek upstairs, uh, and um, I'll have a good night because I'm old. I mean, I, I like a celebration for me is like if if I'm really feeling like I can, I've got the I've got the the good day going mentally and physically. I might go out for dinner at seven thirty instead of four. So that's where I am in my life. I mean, what's what's the latest this year? We're twelve days into the year. What's the latest you've gone to bed, Declan? I probably like three a.m. But that wasn't really where I was trying to stay up to do anything. I just couldn't fall asleep. 
Like, mm. if I've tried to stay up and, you know, extend the night a little bit, it was probably, it'd probably be like 1 a.m. or something. But, uh, you know, I try and get to bed pretty early. I like my sleep. Yeah. The only time I say 3 a.m. is if I went to bed at 10 and now am awake. And that right. does happen to me. Like when you take your nap at 10, wake up at 3 and go back to bed. <laughs> I've been there. There's a little bit of truth of that. I'm sorry to say, but there truly is. Um, I enjoyed today. It was a good show. We, we talked a lot. We, Lansky is, for me, Lancey's gold. And then to follow him up with your M chuck, he's like the new gold. There's like, what, what, there's, what kind of colors does gold come in? Gold and what else? Is there like a, is there like a silver gold? Is there some kind of other gold? Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know enough about gold. There probably is. How much gold do you have in your, your portfolio? Six and a half million dollars worth. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't cash that in. Wait for it to go up. There was a time I took a course once, an economics course once, and all of the pages printed off were from newspapers in like 1974. And gold was at this insane amount. And the Canadian dollar was at a dollar for American. And I took the course when I was young and I thought, oh, that probably happens quite a bit. No, as a matter of fact, it doesn't. There you go. All right. What are you doing this weekend? Anything exciting? You know... No, I'm going to be watching the NFL playoffs. I'm going to be having a very chill weekend indoors. It's cold out. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to be doing anything. I don't. I might order in some groceries, but it's going to be a lot of NFL whoa, football, whoa, whoa, a lot whoa, of Netflix, whoa, 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 whoa. and I'm going to be playing a lot of chess online. Order, chess. order, order in groceries. Yeah, I've never done it before. It's how my uh, dad and stepmom get their groceries in. They like order it and then have. I think they go pick it up. Maybe or have someone yeah, drop you, it off. You, I don't I've know. done that. I thought you were ordering in them to deliver the groceries. But you go to the grocery store and pick them up. Well, I've never done it. it oh seems yeah, it's a good. little. It seems a little. Dis- dystopian to me but no I mean. no it's it's good because what happens is <laughs> you get the stuff and then they bring it to your car and they put it in and then you go check it like you know what you're doing and then you drive off it's not bad especially during the, the period of time when everybody's getting ill and stuff it's not a bad idea all right want to thank Lansky. want to thank your m chuck want to thank declan who basically did the show today uh thanks so much for your comments in regard to john short and robin brownley two giants of our industry who passed away uh, yesterday and we're, we're still getting over it. So your words are, are so good for us and, and they help with the healing. So I appreciate it. Jason Greger on the way next. Please enjoy your weekend.